from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbrus. I hope he is a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Big On the Inside, the new Doctor Who Watch On podcast. To round off Series 3 of Doctor Who, we are doing our tradition of ranking every single episode of the series in order of enjoyment. Um, for those who don't know, because these videos sometimes do sometimes do better than others, my name is Tim Saxby. Um, hello, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim X Saxby, I think. And with me, as always, is my normal, amazing co-host, Harry Murdoch. Hello, Harry, how are you? I'm good, Tim. I'm good, Tim. I'm very interested about this ranking. I think that series three kind of surprised us in various ways um do you want to kind of just share your general thoughts on series three as a whole expectation versus reality okay so expectations were high because this was my first series of doctor i ever saw and my first episode was doomsday so i watched doomsday then went back and watched series one and two and series three aired so series three was the first series that i saw air live as it went out on telly um so expectations were high to go back to it because the last time I probably watched this series in order was when it originally broadcast. Um, to, I wasn't up to up first. I was disappointed because I felt the first half of the series was a little flat. There were some good episodes in there. In fact, one of my highest ranking episodes is from that first half. But then the second half came in, and I think there was a mid-season break when this aired for a week. And they show Still to Come trailer, and that Still to Come trailer really got me hyped for the rest of Series 3. So I would say um, 50%. I, 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 I want to say I was 50, I 50% enjoyed it, but I probably enjoyed it more than 50%, if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. How about yourself? Me? Um... I didn't. I tried to go without any kind of preconceptions that I usually do. I know kind of generally Series 3 is considered one of the best of the RTD era, often considered David's best and sometimes Russell's best series. Yeah. Um, I found it all in some ways almost comparable to series one, which surprised me. The series oh, one, as you know, was kind of Chris's only series. And for yeah. me, in some ways, this felt like almost a fresh start for David. Kind of series two, whilst it was David's first series, it felt like a lot of it was kind of, resolving and bringing stuff that was started in series one and bringing that to a close. Um, And this kind of felt like, and also a kind of rejuvenation. And also I think that's helped by the fact that I feel like this is the series where Tennant really figured out what he was doing with his portrayal of the doctor. And he's totally come into his own in that character in this series. 100%. Yeah. I would be quite interested that when we finish the RTD era, to do a whole ranking of the series. So not go through every episode, but go through the series and rank the series in order of enjoyment because so far they have not fallen in the order I expected them, but that's at least another series and a half away. Um, So let's start our series three ranking. We always start with our least favourite episode and go upwards. In the past, they've been pretty similar, bottom, the middle, they jumble up a bit, and then the top three we normally have... 
very similar top three episodes. So let's start at the bottom. What Harry, what was your least favourite episode of Doctor Who Series 3? And we are including The Runaway Bride in this list as well. Okay, I am... So my number 14, I don't want to jinx myself because I remember I was pretty confident with the last series that we'd have the same bottom. <laughs> um, and I was wrong. <laughs> this time, I do kind of feel quietly confident that we might have the same bottom episode, which is 42. Yes, we do have the same bottom episode this time, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put a little tick um, on my phone when we get them right so we can keep track. So why have you put 42 so low? Um, I think for me, it was... Usually what it comes to with these kind of bomb episodes is that it's not that there's anything strikingly awful about them. I just find them on the whole, the, when I'm thinking on the series, is the one I'm probably the most likely to forget was in this series. Yeah. And 42 for that is me. I think it might not help that it kind of comes right before a bunch of the very best episodes of this series. A little spoiler. Um, <laughs> 42 is just easy for it to fall by the wayside because of that. But also, just kind of, there are things I like about it. I like kind of the general atmosphere, just how hot and intense it all feels. Yeah. I remember you saying it's that kind when of, you first watched it, you said, this episode looks hot. You watch it and you can see the sweat and the way it's lit is really well. The production value on this episode is great. And the production value across the whole series is great. But I just feel this is a merge of two things that worked not to uh the sorry two episodes that i've sort of seen quite well the empty child and the ood episode from series two mashed together but it just doesn't work yeah i was gonna say the same that it's kind of it there's nothing in this episode that i've not hadn't already seen before like the whole burn with me faceless enemy, like you said, very similar to the empty child. And then the general kind of being trapped on this base that's slowly falling to its demise, very similar to impossible plant in the Satan pit. Yeah. And I feel like in both of those instances, those early episodes did those concepts better. Yeah. No, I agree there. I don't think like, I was going to say I'm a Chibnall here because that's not why this episode is low. But it just, I feel like it's a very well written episode. And the concept of it being 42 minutes, which is the length of a Doctor Who episode, that's quite interesting. But I just personally am not a fan of entrapment stories where they're trapped on a spaceship or separated from the TARDIS and where impending doom is coming in as a countdown. I don't enjoy them because you know they're going to get out of there, especially when they're midway through a series. I find them to be very unsuspenseful and I'm kind of just sat waiting for them to escape almost. Yeah. Maybe if it'd been something like maybe a countdown episode would work if they didn't put the doctor and the companion's life in jeopardy. Maybe if it was just that this space of people's lives was in their hands because, you know, the doctor doesn't always say the doctor rarely saves everyone. Yeah. So maybe there was a possibility of these people might not be saved by them and they made that feel really real. Maybe that would have been more effective. Yeah. So should we move on? Number 13 on our list. Um, I don't think we're going to have the same one here, but what have you put? No, I don't think so. This is my first two-parter, number 13 and 12. 
um, which is uh, Daleks of Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. Oh, okay. Well, why have you put them quite low down then? Um, really, it's like it's weird because I don't have any particularly negative feelings towards these episodes. Um, in fact, I, I like Daleks. I like Dalek episodes. Um, I know some people feel like the Daleks are overused, which kind of, because of contractual reasons, I understand they almost have to be. I'm not sure if that's right or not. I'm not sure. I think it is true, but I think they try and debunk it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, This kind of, of the RTD era, this is kind of, these are probably, they're still fun Dalek episodes, and I think there's a lot of fun things about them, especially kind of the ensemble cast. I really enjoy them. Um, I enjoy kind of New York as a setting, although obviously later on in the series with Matt Smith, they're able to kind of do more with New York and Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and this comparatively feels a little a little bit lesser, although still impressive in some ways. Um, yeah. I, I don't really, ha- again, I don't have a tangible reason for it being lower other than I like other episodes more than it. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of, Compared to something like, say, Dalek in series one, which did really interesting things with the Daleks, and then kind of uh, Doomsday, which was really, really exciting. This comparatively is a kind of almost a lower stakes Dalek episode, which yeah. on one hand is interesting. But on the other hand, when you start comparing it to other Dalek episodes, it makes it feel a bit less impactful. Yeah, I, my issue with the Daleks is that they are either a series ender or a disappointing mid-season episode. If you put them at the end of the series, it's good but predictable. But if you put them in the middle of the series, you're like, oh, he's already faced his greatest enemy. So that either leaves you down to something new that we don't really know or the master, which if you watch so far, series one ends with the Daleks. Series 2 ends with the Daleks. Series 3 ends with the Master. Series 4 ends with the Daleks. So they just seem to swap them around a little bit, which is uh, perhaps uh, an issue, uh, you know, a structural issue that could be overlooked. It's interesting that in New Who, the Dalek stories um, have always been either a holiday special, a series ender, or a series opener a couple times with Muffin. Fat, with the exception of this and Victory of the Daleks. And I think yeah. generally those two Dalek stories in New Who, by a lot of people, are probably considered a couple of the weakest. Mm. And I wonder if it is something to do with them being kind of mid-series episodes and maybe there's something about the nature of the Daleks and how iconic they are, which means putting them in a mid-series episode doesn't quite work for them. I'm Perhaps, not sure. yeah. Well, for my number 13, I've put um, The Runaway Bride... I put that really. I put it quite low because I, I I remember when we did when we watched it and we did our review. You said you seem to be disappointed that you are disappointed with the episode. I was annoyed. I, I was sort of felt a bit let down by it because I knew it had Donna in it, but I felt it was somewhat of a rehash of what we had the previous Christmas with the Santa Clauses. But I know that there are better Christmas stories to come, so I've kind of judged that separately as a Christmas story rather than an impact on the actual series because it doesn't really have much impact on the series even when you look at the the style and the tone of it it is still very series two really it's got that same sort of 
atmosphere and it carries on from um, Doomsday more than it leads into Smith and Jones. Um, but that said, it does have some really good moments in it and there's some good 10th Doctor stuff in there. And it is really the first time we get the 10th Doctor on his own, a real 10th Doctor episode, um, because we sort of picked up on that series two, almost every episode, the Doctor and Rose are split up. But in, and it usually follows Rose trying to get back to the Doctor. Whereas this is the Doctor and he's split from Rose. And that isn't the storyline. The storyline isn't getting them back together. This is just the Doctor trying to help a new stranger out. And perhaps I have been a little harsh on it, but because I know it has some really good moments in it and it is fun to watch, but I'm I'm struggling to remember more than the key details of it. The bit of David Tennant running down the street and the car chase on the motorway. Those are the only two bits that really stand out. And I feel if it's got to be a high-ranking episode for me, it's got to have moments in it where I forgot that I enjoyed certain aspects of it, which is why other episodes are ranked higher because they have parts in them that I'd forgotten about that when when we watched them back, I really enjoyed. Right, I see. Interesting. So I've already done my number 12 uh, as part of that two-parter. So what's your number 12, Tim? My number 12 is Smith & Jones. Oh, yeah, I feel I was, uh, I'm guessing. Let me put a little cross next to Smith and Jones on my list. So we've only got one so far out of our episodes, correct? So Smith and Jones for me, I've put quite low, mainly for the same reasons. It does a really good job at introducing Martha and her character and how she is different to Rose from the start. And it has really good comedic 10th Doctor moments in it. But the same reasons as Runaway Bride, there wasn't much in it that I hadn't, that when we rewatched it stood out to me as something exciting that I was, I'd forgotten mm. about. When we watched The Unquiet Dead, that's always my go-to example from series one. I sat down, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of those boring episodes. But I watched it and I loved it and I think I ranked it like second in my list when we did series one. So I want to say that's the kind of thing I'm looking for, that sort of thing of not really thinking I'm going to enjoy it, but then really enjoying it. Whereas Smith and Jones, when I watched it, I had the same feeling that I had before I watched it. I was like, I wasn't disappointed by it, but I wasn't watching it and going, "This is better than I thought." It was as I expected. Uh, okay, I see. And that was yeah. your number twelve, was it, Smith and Jones? That was that's my well, third one, so number twelve, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're not too far off because uh, Smith and Jones is my number eleven. Okay, so how can you put it somewhat higher than mine? Uh, like I said, the main thing that elevates it for me is that it's a great introduction to Martha Jones, and kind of like you said, my favorite things about this episode are all the things that make her different from Rose, and kind of exploring mm. those and those standing out for me it's just a great vehicle to introduce her as a companion yeah um but like you said again similar reasons to stuff like 42 there's not any higher is that while it's well executed there's nothing i haven't seen already um kind of the impending threat of the jadoon the jadoon cool uh yeah. they look cool they look great i love how the jadoon look but other than how they look and sound as characters there's not a ton going on outside of them aesthetically mm. um yeah and it's kind of it's just sorry go on similarly to kind of 42 like you said it's kind of all takes place on one location and there's a countdown 
And while neither of those are inherently bad things, they're things that we've seen a lot of times before. But I guess that's what the reason that it's fairly safe in those regards is so the focus really is on Martha and her meeting the Doctor and their back and forth and their instant connection. And that is the highlight of this episode. And I think that's what elevates it above 42 in my ranking. Yeah, I think we should also say that just because I often find that a bad episode of Doctor Who is often better than actual bad episodes of other programs. I could watch a bad episode of Doctor Who, but some bad episodes of something like Riverdale, for instance, or Peaky Blinders, or Line of Duty, or something like that, these other big dramas and, you know, franchises, Mm. I couldn't watch because they would generally be bad. But a bad episode of Doctor Who usually has several redeeming qualities within it. Yeah. Well, these, I don't even consider these bad episodes. Really. I, I, it's very rare that I can only, I could probably only count of what, of the episodes we've watched so far. I'd be surprised if I could fill like one hand with episodes of Doctor Who that I could outright call bad. Because mm. most of these, like 42 is maybe like a five out of 10 for me, maybe. Um, yeah. But that's, and that's as low as I probably go in terms of when it comes to ranking these, if I were to give them a numerical ranking. Yeah, that's Everything true, that's else true. is, yeah. So, so It's I all do still my... fun, easy to watch TV. Yeah, yeah I'll do my next ones, which is my first two-parter. Um, Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks. Whichever order they go in, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think I've put them slightly higher because I may have been slightly biased when, I, when we spoke with... Uh, when I spoke with Miranda Raisin, who plays Tallulah in those two episodes, mm-hmm. that interview's out now. Amazing response. And um, thank you to the people who have reached out who realised that Miranda was talking about them in the interview. That's really amazing that you guys are listening. Um, so I feel like maybe when I watched it, I was vicariously watching it through her and I knew that she had utterly enjoyed the experience and talked about fun Dalek stories and how fun it was working with David and what a showman he is and how great he was for the show. So perhaps when I was watching it, I was watching it through that and with that in mind. But at the same time, the same reasons you gave is it's a Dalek story that I don't really think was focused that well around the Daleks. It didn't, it could have been any alien really. That could have been the Slovene evolving. They didn't really need to be in manhattan either i felt it was just a lot of showy stuff that overshadowed a possibly um quite dense interesting story that could have been pardon me it could have been restricted down to just the one episode that's interesting yeah i mean there's there's a lot going on in darks in manhattan evolution of the darks and in some senses you could maybe it would have worked better if these concepts were split into two separate stories, like one about this Manhattan invasion with the pigmen and one Dalek story about them trying to survive. Maybe it would have worked better if it was two separate stories rather than combining it into one big story. Yeah, I mean, I like all the elements inside the story, but maybe there's something about them all together that makes it feel slightly bloated. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure. And this episode, it also has a really good cast as well. David and Freema, uh, Miranda, Andrew Garfield. Uh, it's just got a really solid cast as well. So I feel like it's fronted very well, but I feel like a lot of it is should be character-driven, but it isn't, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So what's up for you next? What number are we up to now? 
uh, that was your number 11 and 10, I believe. So now yeah. I'm coming to my number 10, which is the Lazarus experiment. Uh, okay, go on then. Uh, Lazarus experiment, to me, this kind of feels almost like a sequel to Smith and Jones. And I feel like it just kind of builds upon the stuff established there and then some. Um, because we've got to do Martha a bit better, it feels like it's more confident placing her into a kind of more interesting story with kind of Lazarus played in a very fun way by Gatiss and those kind of fun things being explored there. And we also get, this is one of the episodes in the series that shines light on Martha's family. Yeah. Uh, and especially kind of how Martha and uh, Trish, her sister, and how they play off each other and work together is a lot of fun to see. And again, it's the things that make Martha and her family different to Rose and her loved ones, which are the interesting things to watch within this. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's fun. It's refreshing, especially after two series of Rose. Mm. Um, and yeah, just it's all very well done, fun stuff. Uh, Lazarus, the, while the CG is dated, I think that the monster design is one of the most unsettling things I've seen in Doctor Who, just in terms <laughs> of how it's been designed, like that ribcage. Yeah, it's great. It looks like a chicken carcass. Yeah, and also Tuxedo Tenant. Yeah. Well, what was that? Was that your number nine? That was my number ten. Okay, well, my number nine is the Lazarus Experiment. Okay. So they they kind of fall similarly, because I sort of counted Daleks and Manhattan the same, so we'll put a little tick next to that one. Um, Similar reasons, um, I really enjoyed it. Mark Gatiss is great, the makeup is great, the effects are great. But I think if I remember rightly, when we watched it, I said it should have ended about 10 minutes before it should. He, they do that thing where he think he falls off the building or something and he goes into the ambulance mm. and then he runs away again. And there's like that whole thing in the church with the organ and all that stuff. And I sort of felt like that bit didn't, that bit was sort of, I feel like Russell maybe read the script and he went, I love it, but we just need five more minutes. And he went, and then he escapes again. <laughs> like wrote like a little five minute thing about him running away and being caught again very quickly. So I feel like maybe if they had focused more, and I think we said this when we finished the series as well, one thing that we wish they had done is maybe focus more on the Jones family aspect, maybe given more light on Tish or Trish, can't remember um, Martha's sister's name, but um, maybe more aspects on her and her job and how she got it. Maybe I know it's revealed later how she got the job. But then maybe a little bit about that, maybe more with Martha's mum. That would have been sort of really grounded those characters out more than they actually did in the end. Mm, absolutely. So, what, so now this brings us to, This is my number... You've just done your number nine. Uh, my number nine is the Shakespeare Code. Oh, okay, right. Go on then. What does that mean? <laughs> no, no, you have to find out. Go on. <laughs> I, I really like the Shakespeare Code. I think it's lots of fun. Oh, um, that's fine. So I. I think it's a great... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't know why you reacted like that. The nines of... <laughs> no, go on. You tell us why you put the Shakespeare Code sort of bang in the middle almost. Yeah, um, well, I think that Shakespeare's character is a lot of fun. The way it plays with witches is really cool. It's just, it's... It's a, fu- it's a pretty funny episode, generally. Um, mm. The world-building of kind of um, Elizabethan London, 
It looks great. Thank you, BBC period piece costume department. <laughs> um, again, we get a good light shone on Martha and kind of how she acts and her perceptiveness and the things that make her different to Rose. The way kind of she picks stuff up quickly and is quick-witted and that's really great. Um, I'm a sucker for Shakespeare. Um, Shakespeare plays. I'm a real thespy nerd. Um, so seeing all that stuff in the Globe Theatre is really cool. Yeah, I'm get, kind of getting to the point where there aren't reasons why episode. There's not like big gripes I have with these episodes now. The Shakespeare Coach is an all-round strong episode, fun time, fun bit of Doctor Who. Yeah, it's kind of a quint. It's quintessential Doctor Who. That's true. That's true. In a lot of ways. Okay. So, yeah, I mainly agree. I won't go into too much what I want to say about Shakespeare Code. I'll save it for when I get to it. But in, um, next up for me, I just say I do agree with everything you said. Um, but next up for me, I've put Gridlock. Okay. Is that your number eight? Uh, that is 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9. That's my number eight, yeah. So I've put Gridlock at number eight okay. because if you had asked me before what my favourite episode of Series 3 was, I would have said Gridlock. Because I remember have vivid memories of watching it and then re-watching it on BBC Three. Um, I remember that very well for some reason and having and then it being repeated several months later and not being allowed to watch it because I had homework to do. And I remember it being gridlock and being told I could watch confidential afterwards instead of watching gridlock, which was cool. But um it it is I really love the cat, the world building within that and seeing all the different people in all the different cars. But at the same time, it, it just the, the, the macro element of it, I felt could have been built on more. I would have liked to have actually seen more macro since we're still sort of robbed of that. We don't have much footage of that original episode. I know we've got the animated terror of the macro, but um, we don't actually have much macro stuff. So perhaps it would have been nice to, you know, delve back into them a little bit, which I and the makeup on it is amazing, and the effects are great, and the face of Bo stuff at the end is great. It has some really great stuff in it, but I sort of felt maybe too similar to series one with the Doctor and Martha being separated a little bit. But um, yeah, I think I maybe found that aspect of it slightly predictable. Oh, they, he has to save her rather than that. I prefer it when the Doctor and the companion have to do something together rather than one of them mm-hmm. trying to save the other. I feel. Yeah, totally. Um, I'll speak about Gridlock later. Um, My number eight, this is where my ranking gets weird. (laughs) I None of the three-part finale is right next to each other. They're they're sandwiched in between other episodes, which I wasn't (laughs) expecting because watching them all back-to-back, they all felt pretty, you know, in similar set with each other. However, there's just... the this shows it's the tiniest things that are separating these episodes. Go on. Um, so my number eight is The Last of the Time Lords, the uh, series finale. Oh, wow. Okay, go on. Yeah. Um, I think like this is an episode with a lot of really strong stuff and some stuff that made me go, hmm? Um, I really enjoy seeing more of Sim, John Sim as the master. Um, we don't see as much of him in it. Um find the whole post-apocalyptic stuff really interesting. Uh, I actually find the reveal, that we didn't talk about this in the watch-along, um, but the reveal of who the Toclophane are and how that links back to Utopia, 
I forgot all about that. And that's probably my favorite part of this episode. And that's really creepy and disturbing. And especially yeah. like the, uh, the prosthetic makeup special effects, whatever you call it, they do for the inside of that is like, ugh. Uh, the yeah. scene where the master dies and the doctor holds in his arms, as well as the scene right before that where um, Martha's mum is talked down from shooting him. Um, then the, also for the end with Martha choosing to leave the TARDIS is really cool to see and just a refresh, refreshing exit of companion not being forced to leave or dying or tragically separated by just saying... I've had my fill. I know what I want to do in life and it's not yeah. with you. I just think that's great. And I wish we saw that more. Um, yeah, there's a lot going for it. The, the, yeah. the questionable stuff, the only thing that kind of pulls it quote unquote down is just the whole resolution of people's prayers for the doctor yeah, saving exactly, him. Right, yeah. Which I, I, if, if there was just a bit more of a tangible sci-fi based explanation for why that worked... I just, it was, I wasn't quite able to follow the logic watching it. I feel like mm. if there was just something a bit more tangible explained how that worked, I would have been absolutely fine. This episode would have probably been a bit higher. But as yeah. it stands, it's still a very satisfying finale. We all have great, <coughs> big emotional moments. Yeah, what number was that, sorry, for you? That was my number eight. Okay. Do you want to do your number seven as well? Oh, that's strange. Um Okay. Sorry about that, everybody. We had a brief technical glitch with Zoom. Harry, do you want to go in with what I believe is your number seven? That's right, my number seven. And yeah. at number seven, I have put uh, Gridlock. Okay. So it's a Where little... That little number seven? It's a little bit higher than yours. And mm. a lot of the things that you said uh, are the other, reason, other reasons I've put it on. I really like the um, world building that it's done. Uh, adding to new, 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 New York. I think that's the right amount of news. Um, new, 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 New York. Oh, I had nowhere near the right amount of news. Um, <laughs> um, I also kind of, and it was kind of great to see kind of like a conclusion to the, by unofficially called kind of the New Earth trilogy, or maybe it'd be better to call it the Face of Bow trilogy. The Bology. The Ambology, something like that. On top of the face of Bo, um, kind of his death scene, considering how little time actually spent with him, it was a weirdly kind of poignant and touching moment. Uh, and you could really feel like how much the Doctor connected with him in that moment. And it kind of like that's a lot of the Doctor's character that he was able to form that connection despite only brief encounters. Yeah. Although I think the thing about this episode that really stood out for me and made it get put it uh kind of at the uh top half of the list um is that it probably has my favorite moment between martha and the doctor at the very end where she refuses to come with him until he opens up and talks to her about his life and when he opens up starts talking about gallifrey so kind of wistfully and mournfully i think it's a great moment for the pair of them one of the best moments for tenant's doctor i think that's a beautiful moment and that in particular, is what really elevates this story for me to this spot. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I'd forgotten about that. Maybe if I remember that, I would put it slightly higher. But coming up next on my list is another two parts of that. I'll go through separately, but first I have the sound of drums. Um, the the sort of second installment of the final three. 
Um, mainly I've put it the lowest out of the three because I've really felt it's set up to the last of the Time Lords more than it did anything else. Um, I felt there was perhaps a lot of re-explaining for audiences who weren't familiar with who the Master was, which is slightly... which is okay for the time of airing, but obviously since then I've, you know, everybody knows who the Master is and people are re-familiar with that, so that's not really an issue anymore. So I suppose that's maybe slightly harsh to judge it on that. But the reason it's probably the lowest of the three, and I'm sort of getting into that point in my list now, is where there's nothing wrong with it. It's just other episodes are better than it. Mm, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. That's often what it comes to when it comes to ranking the higher half of the list. Yeah. Like, I really like the characters in it. I like John Sims' master, but I feel like we maybe get a better performance out of him in the next episode. Um, I like that Jack's back. I like Jack. I like the Doctor. I like Martha. I like Martha's family. But um, oh, I don't know. Maybe I should have put it higher because I really like that scene where it's the getaway sequence. Uh, mm. nope, I've, nope, I've made my list. I have to stick with it. But uh, yeah, that's that's my one. And then next I have Last of the Time Lords, which I've really put higher than The Sound of Drums just because as more John Simness, he's reared that that version of the master is more established to who he is. He does that fun dance sequence where he's just a, 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 a narcissistic teenager who's sort of like in control of the world. He's playing music, snogging beautiful women, throwing tea, annoying people, ringing a bell. You know, he's got the dots where you want him. And at the start of that episode as well is where we get sort of the ambush where they try and take over. And they go around giving each other the signal and it backfires. And I like that because it's one of the only times where I sort of went, oh, how are they actually going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that ending with the levitating doctor, I sort of already pre-expected that. So when it happened, I wasn't disappointed by it because I remembered it. But I'd forgotten everything else about the episode and how much I enjoyed everything else. So that sort of balanced it out, I feel. Yeah. And that was that your number six? That is my, I will tell you in a second, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. That's my number six. Okay, so which brings me to my number six, which uh, isn't too far off. My number six is The Sound of the Drums. Mm. Okay, so what is it and about that that you've preferred to The Last of the Time Lords? I think for me, it's interesting that you said it, Last of the Time Wars, for you, is where John Simley stood out. Because for me, those shows was our first full episode seeing him. But The Sound of the Drums, for me, was the episode where John Sims' master really stood out. I think it's something to do with him just being in such a ludicrous position as the Prime Minister of the UK. <laughs> and the way that he uses that power and just... Oh, no. That, and the stuff with, like, the... Uh, Journalist trying to expose him. Wait, well, I think I pushed the button. Time. My apologies. Carry on. Okay. Well, did we have the bit before recorded? Yeah, we did. I think I just pushed the pause button by mistake. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoyed seeing John Smith, John Sim as a master, just dicking around in the Harold Saxon role. Um, the weird ways that he used his power. And then also the whole thing of the Doctor, Martha and Jack being on the run and public enemy number one yeah. and kind of the way they had to hang low. It's just a different dynamic for to see the heroes like that and being 
sort of actively chased down. And it's just kind of, it's very cool and fun. I think also the thing that puts it above Last of Time also me is getting to see kind of the TARDIS team working together, whereas in throughout most of Last of the Time Lords, they're very separate. Here they're working together, trying to survive, trying to figure out their next step. And seeing them trying to do that and to sneak onto the helicarrier and stuff like that is mm. fun to see. Yeah. Um, I always enjoy a good TARDIS team dynamic, and that's also in this episode, in addition to lots of lots of John Sim goodness. Yeah, John Sim's amazing, right? But coming up next, we're entering our top five, um, which is mm. normally where it gets very close. And bar one, we have there is one difference in our top five suggestions. It'd be interesting to see what that is. Um, yeah. My number five, controversially, is Blink. Blink is only your number five. Yeah, Blink is my number five because. I really, really enjoyed it, and I thought it was a good, fun episode. But I felt that it wasn't as exciting and great as it has been made out to be for me. I feel like the hype around it made me think that when I was going to go back and watch it, I would be blown away by it, and I was, but not as much as I was expecting, which is sort of the opposite to what I said earlier. When we did 42, I said, I want to watch it and I want to be blown away. And I wasn't. But then when I watched Blink, I, I want to be blown away. And I was, but not to the extent I thought I would be. Um, it is the best Weeping Angel story, in my opinion, um, so far from what I can remember. And it's a really good character-driven story and it's really well acted. And the timey-wimey stuff in it is perfect. But the only thing that put it low on my list is the fact that it wasn't as mind-bendingly amazing as I think people have made it out to be. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. My so number five. Five, and I feel okay. I won't ask you for a lot of your opinions on these because I feel like we're getting into similar territory. But what is your number five? Yeah, my number five is very, very, very different. My number okay. five is probably is the one that you don't have in your top five because you've already said it. It's The Runaway Bride. Oh, wow. That was my second to least favourite episode. Okay. I <laughs> had so much fun with this one. Um, like we said, we watched it. It was the first episode where I saw the return of the Doctor and it was like, yeah, this is the 10th Doctor. This is the Doctor I grew up with. Totally in his own, totally on the ball. Him and his back and forth, even before becoming a full and companion it's clear that david tennant and um catherine tate have just an incredible comedic chemistry and they work off each other so amazingly and in such a fun fun way yeah. um, and that for me was the kind of heart of this episode and the thing that really carried it all the way to my top five um in addition to that um, the way that it kind of explored the Doctor, kind of getting over Rose, but without it bogging him down, um, was really interesting and I think really well done. Uh, like you said, there's some standout scenes like the chase scene, and also I find just the flashback scene of Martha talking about her uh, fiance. I thought that was really funny, one of the funniest moments in Doctor Who, flat out. Um, yeah, but the core cool thing is just 
Catherine and David and how they play off each other is just so, so addictingly fun to watch. It's got me really excited for series four where we're getting a whole series of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to series four. Series four's going to be good fun. I feel like series four will be the surprise one for me. I, feel, I, I was expecting this okay. to be one that I was really going to like lose it over, but I think series four might actually be that series. Um, my number, sorry, I'll go, yeah, number four. So I'm, we're getting close to top yep. three territory. Number yep. four, just missing out on my number four is one you've already run down, and I've put the Shakespeare Code at number four. Okay, I'll right. so high for you. I it, this was my Unquiet Dead. This was the one where I watched it and I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it. I watched it and I thought, oh, this was really good fun. And I think um, Dean Lennox Kelly does an amazing William Shakespeare. He looks like I would think William Shakespeare looks. If I had to draw him, I would draw Dean Lennox Kelly. Um, there's a, it doesn't rely too much on a supporting cast either. It's really the Dr. Martha and Shakespeare. There are supporting actors, Matt King from Peep Show's in there. And the witches as well, they're fantastic. The makeup on that is amazing. The production value with the globe and actually filming there and the special effects. And the, there's a lot of humour in it as well. And I think it does a really good job at establishing early the dynamic of the Doctor and Martha when they're laid in that bed together. And the Doctor is just oblivious. And she, Martha's going, oh, here we are in a bed. Anything could happen. And he's just like, oh, I wonder what Shakespeare's thinking and stuff like that. So I think I really enjoyed it for that aspect. That's why I've put it quite high. Is It was the episode I thought wouldn't be one of my favourites, but it sort of caught me off guard and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have to say... Oh, sorry, Harry. Um, you've cut out uh, for a second. Oh, me... Sorry, Harry, you just have to repeat that. You cut out slightly. I have to say, I do really agree with you with, with what you say about uh, Dean Lennox Kenny as Shakespeare and just the way Shakespeare is portrayed because they could have very easily kind of gone to either extreme, either just portray him as this amazing idealistic genius or just kind of do the complete flip side and just make him a complete joke. Um, but and, but they don't. They actually kind of manage to successfully have their cake and eat it. Yeah. That they portray him as, you know, this, you know, a bit of a lad, a bit of a jokester, <laughs> and do subvert your expectation of Shakespeare. But at the same time, you can tell that he's a really smart guy at the same time. And he is one of, if not the smartest guy in the room, even with the Doctor present. I think that's great. Yeah. So what's your number four then, Harry? Are we on number four? Have we got your number four? Yes. Yes, we are on number four. And my number four is Utopia. Ah, okay. So there's actually there's okay. So I think our top three aren't the same then. No, they're not. Well, you've already said blink, so definitely not. Oh, okay, right. Okay, so go on. Yeah, my number four is uh, Utopia, and I think the the thing that makes Utopia great for me, and I said at the time, obviously, the whole super far distant future Earth is really interesting, and it's it's cool, but it's just everything to do with uh, Derek Jacobi, both as Sharda, no, not Sharda, Yana, Yana, <laughs> sorry. Sharda is a very different thing. Uh, Derek Jacobi as both Professor Yana and subsequently the Master. This is the only 
on TV appearance we've got of him so far in that role, but it is so brilliant and it leaves you wishing we could have seen more. It's just so good. It's so brilliant. As good as John Sim, arguably, in a lot of senses. And just the way that whole third act just ramps up and ramps up and the tension, the excitement and the adrenaline and Murray Gold's score building up, it's just... I mean, Murray Gold's score score is always brilliant, but just it's so pushed there. And it's just... It's probably my favourite cliffhanger of the show so far. Yeah, It was um, Army of Ghosts, but this topped it. It just... Everything that was going on, it was just, I don't know, it get, this is the bit where it's hard that, to kind of <laughs> do it, summarize it in a podcast sense. It's hard to just talk about it because it's one of those finales that just makes me feel, ah, ah, shit, ah, shit. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You can't really describe it because it's how it made you feel. So you just want to like make noises. <laughs> Yeah, it's just such an exciting, it's just such an exciting thing, and all the moments before that between Yana and the Doctor and Yana and Martha and everything like that, it's all just, it's great, it's great, it, it's the perfect way to kick off the finale, yeah. and it kicks off the finale in a way that oddly eclipses the finale that follows, which. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. I'm going to take yeah. it as an overwhelming positive just because of how... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So we're going into the top three. Um, let me kick it off with my my third place. Going in at number three on my ranking of Doctor Who Series 3 is Utopia. Utopia is my number okay. three for exactly the same reasons you just gave. That third final act is, um, well, you just did it justice. Would you like to do it again, Harry? How would you describe that third final act? Ah, ah, shit. Oh, my God, it's all happening. Ah. (laughs) That's it. That's it. And I I know it's coming and I know what's going to happen. I'm watching it with a big grin and I'm going, oh, yes, yes. As I'm watching it, it's brilliant. And I'm going, it's the master and it's fantastic and it's really classic fans and people who had done their research on it by telling them who the master was, uh, by knowing who the master was and bringing that character back. But also the element of bringing in a new Time Lord is also very exciting for people who didn't know who the master was beforehand. And I think it does a really good job of balancing that out for both audiences. Um, so yeah, there you go. Your number three, Harry, is what? Uh, I got a two-part here. Um, I mean, it's the last two part of the series uh, Human Nature and the Family of Blood is my number three and my number two. Oh wow um, okay our lists have been very very different but go on sometimes it's only been different by like one point though if yeah, you look at it um, yeah um, Human Nature and the Family of Blood they're just great really strong one of the strongest, if not the strongest, um, two-parter story in New Who. Just a great what-if exploration of what if the Doctor didn't have to be the Doctor? What if he could just be a normal guy and live a normal life? Would he be happier? Would the world be better? And it kind of asks all those questions. And it doesn't really give the 
range of answers to them. Um, it's a brilliantly written, brilliantly paced episode. Not a single scene feels wasted. Everything feels worthwhile. It completely justifies being two parts. Um, the setting's really interesting. Again, it all taking place in the shadow of an, the upcoming war. Um, the family blood themselves are great, really creepy villains. And the fact that they're done just with human actors without the need of any kind of excessive alien prosthetic makes it all the better and all the more impactful. There's just a lot of great things going for this, this story. There's loads within this story. So much of it is happening, but none of it feels bloated or excessive. It all gets enough time in the limelight and enough development it's just brilliantly crafted yeah yeah okay right mm. i you know i know i'm sorry i do agree with you but um by power of deduction my number one and two uh family blood human nature have you already done your number three yeah i didn't you tell okay, number th- okay so this is your number two and one, is this, the stories I've just said. Okay. Yeah. So my number one and number two of yours, um, because I loved the John Smith aspect, and I loved that, and I loved how at the very end, um, the matron says, if John Smith had never have arrived, would all those innocent people have died? Which is something that we've been echoing from the very first episode almost. If the doctor didn't turn up, would all these people die? And the answer is very often no. Um, and I really like that. And I think it sets off something within the doctor, that sort of dark 10th doctor that we're going to grow to know, Time Lord Victorious and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know how I can describe how much I love this episode. Um, to separate it from what you've just said, on a personal note, this is my mum's favourite episode of Doctor Who. And I know that this is also her favourite series and we would watch this go out live together. So I enjoyed watching it because it reminded me of that when I was a kid. And I would watch this with my mum and knowing that this is her favourite episode as well. Um, I kind of really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I, I don't tend to like the period piece episodes i'm very much liking the doctor episodes where it happens on earth now they tend to be my favorites but i really enjoy this one and i like how it tackles race i like how it tackles the thought of war and how martha somebody who knows what's coming um in a sense of world war two i want to say um how she sort of knows about that and how she is sort of preparing for that. She can't really do anything about that. And I think that's great. And David Tennant's performance in this, I can't remember if you mentioned this just then, so if I start treading the I same didn't. ground, we'd say. But this he doesn't play the Doctor, he plays John Smith. And I would love to maybe have a What If series from Big Finish with John Smith and the Matron and the stuff they got up to. And it is, And it's Paul Cornell who is amazing. And it's so sad that this is his last... So far, live entry to Doctor Who. We have have books and comics and stuff, but this is the last one, and I feel like that really gives it a big crescendo ending. And Man, I just loved it. It was amazing. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, what do you say about John Smith and Ten's performances? 
I mentioned it already in the watch song, but I just got to mention it again, just like how subtle it is. Like it isn't any kind of big character transformation. It's just very subtle shifts in just kind of the speech pattern and the physicality that communicates so clearly that this is a different character and not the doctor. It's probably one of Tennant's best performances in the series as a result of that. Yeah, no, you are right. Um, which is strange because it's it's in some ways a Doctor Light episode as well because there isn't much Doctor in it. David Tennant's in it. Mm. He's not playing the Doctor. Um, yeah. Which, and often we've mentioned in the past how the Doctor Light episodes tend to be the best, um, which I can sense mm. coming from you in a few minutes. But um, so maybe that leads into it as well. Maybe the 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 what's important in Doctor is to have the presence of that character rather than actually have him there. And then when they're gone, you feel the impact of them being gone. Yeah. And what that means for everyone around him. Because this is an episode where the Doctor is, like, the Doctor is talked about a lot by different people with different perspectives. Like, there's the little, the kid Tim who has the chameleon arch and him talking about how he kind of feels like the, 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 like the ocean and the fire and the f- yeah, from the perspective of the family of blood, that fury of the time lord, and then, of course, at the end, um, how the loss of John Smith affected her, and what the Doctor, how he's affected her, and Martha talks so much about the Doctor. It's a great episode for just kind of exploring who the Doctor is as a character without the Doctor even having to actually really be there yeah that's true so that's my list that's my 14 episode ranking harry would you like to top us off with uh, your final entry into Doctor series 3 ranking which is what uh it's very very predictably my number one is blink yes go on an episode uh considered by many to be the greatest doctor who story um, just a brilliant piece of television. I, do I agree that it's the best ever? I don't know. I need to rewatch Dalek. Um, <laughs> Blink, I definitely put above anything in series two. Um, series one, ooh, debatable. Um, but Blink, it, I don't know, every time I watch this, um, I've watched it a, more than most episodes because it's just a great episode to go back to and watch with friends. I always come out of it just having a real appreciation for just what it accomplishes with so little. In a 40-minute runtime, without much Doctor and with a monster that doesn't even move in frame, <laughs> it's... It's it's scary, it's clever, it's witty, it's funny, it's super well-paced, um, and it's clever, and, and it uses time travel in a way that's really clever, but even as a kid, I can understand it, which cannot be said for a lot of sci-fi concepts in Doctor Who as a kid. A lot of them went over my head. I don't get the general gist of what was going on, but not in the way that I understood Blake. Um, and just kind of the way it plays with the narrative and the way it's all put together in a way that's still so clear and used to follow and yet it's still a mystery being pieced together. I could just rant lackadaisical about how much I like Blink. It's, yeah. I feel, 
I know you found it a little underwhelming, but I feel that it deserves all the praise it gets. Oh, that's great. I would always rather people enjoy an episode than hate an episode. So the fact that we disagree on something, what is our favourite episode, doesn't bother me because I would rather people look, talk about how much they love something like Blink rather than going, wham, 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 don't like it, or whatever. Yeah, By the way, have you ever, also there's a pretty catchy song that came out of it. Have you ever heard of the band Chameleon Circuit? Yeah, I think I have, yeah. Yeah, like this kind of a Doctor Who-themed rock band, I think, is the best way to describe them. They've kind of done almost concept albums based off New Who. And I've not listened to most of their songs, but one song which I do find a bit of a block is called Blink, where it is basically just the episode of Blink turned into this kind of... um, I guess, alternative rock song. Um, yeah. Not super alternative. Maybe indie rock is cool. better to describe it. Well, people should go and check out. I know. I think... It, I, yeah. Um, I put a thing out on our Twitter just a few moments ago. Um, what are your top three episodes from Doctor Series 3? Leave your thoughts in the comments and they might get read out on a podcast. So go over to our podcast. Uh, go over to our Twitter, sorry, and follow the podcast at Bigger on the Pod because Josh Dutton here, he says his top three episodes in order... Uh, I'll start at number three. So apologies, Josh. Um, number three, he's put the family of blood. Number two, Smith and Jones. And number one, Blink. So he agrees with you there. On Instagram, I put the same message out. Um, Samuel Norris. Hello, Samuel. Um, his top three, starting at number one, is Utopia, The Sound of Drums, and The Last of the Time Lords. So he really enjoyed those uh, those final three. And Charlie has also said that Human Nature, Sound of the Drums, and Utopia are his favourite three episodes as well. So it seems that from um, the people who listen and follow us, thank you very much. They're both at Big on the Pod. You all, all of us, including me and Harry, you're, we all seem to have a similar love for this series. And we might not love the episodes in the same order, but the top five seem to be bouncing around those top five places. It is interesting that uh, Utopia seems to be universally thought of as kind of, from that very small sampling, uh, the best of the finale. Yeah, I maybe wouldn't have said that beforehand. Mm. So yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Anything else you want to say, Harry, about um, Series 3? Anything that we haven't mentioned that you would want to mention? Um... Hmm... Um... The blue suit's nice, isn't it? <laughs> the blue suit is very nice. And luckily it's... Oh, it ended. The series ended on the blue suit, didn't it? Uh, I that before. I want to say yes. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did end on I'm the blue suit. Sure. You are right, yeah. Yeah. Blue suit. It's become, it's become a staple. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening, guys, to our Dutch Series 3 recap if you hadn't guessed already we have done series one watch along with a recap series two watch along with a recap and series three watch along with a recap so go and check those out um we've also got lots of cool videos on our youtube channel we've got um interviews with doctor Who cast members writers um graphic designers lots of fun stuff like that doctor Who youtubers are also appearing we've got reviews news all kinds of fun stuff for you guys to go and enjoy series four is on the way some news about that coming as soon as Series 4 lands. We will mention it in the very first episode, if I remember. So make sure you all tune in for that and subscribe, um, whatever you are listening to this on. If you're listening to this on YouTube and you would rather listen to this 
via um, a mobile podcast app. It's available on all of the best podcast apps, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and the rest. And likewise, if you're listening to this on one of the podcast apps, it's also available on YouTube where you'll get much more content and lots more bonus stuff. So go and check all that out as well. Um, Harry, do you want to plug your Twitter? We never really plug our Twitters, but mine is at Tim X Saxby and the podcast is at Bigger on the Pod. Harry, do you want to do yours? My Twitter, I, I don't even post on Twitter. I don't want to follow me there. Well, there you go then. If you can find him, you've found him and he's all yours. But until then... Uh... It won't be that hard to find me. It won't be that hard to find me, let's be real. <laughs> Um, but thank you very much for listening everybody and we will see you later in the week for our time crash um, review we're going to be talking about time crash before going into Voyager Dam before going into Series 4 so you've got lots of fun stuff to look forward to Um, I'll say goodbye goodbye everybody Harry do you want to say anything at all um yeah um bourbons are a nice biscuit bourbons are a nice biscuit is that a Doctor Who quote I'm missing no, you know, I, it's just, just something I thought I was saying. I was having some bourbons earlier. They're good. All right, cool. Well, bye, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.